Let's go to the Lord for a moment of prayer together. Heavenly Father, as we come into this moment now where we open your word, open our hearts, open our ears to hear your voice, your voice of truth, as we listen to what your heart has to say over us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Imagine you're in a huge room in front of you, and in this room there are 100 grand pianos, and there's 100 piano players about to sit down and play the same song on all of these pianos at the same time in the same tempo. Wow, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? But imagine, like, the, the reason that that would, would, would only work is if all of those pianos in that room were tuned to the same tuning fork. Imagine if they weren't, though. Like, some of them had gone sharp, you know, and some of them were flat. Ugh. Like, and then they started playing to be like this chaotic, like, hot mess of, of a sound. You know, it's like, ugh, headache. But... Imagine if they were all tuned to the same standard and all playing together. What an incredible sound of beauty and of unity and of oneness. This morning we launch into a new sermon series called Unity. Closing the gap between you and Jesus and others. Why? Why unity? Well, take a look around at the world right now. It it's, doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that, that there is chaos and that there's division in the world. In October of 2020, then the world we live in, this might rank up in the time when we need unity more than ever. The problem that we have in our lives is that, that Jesus, he prayed that, that his followers would be unified and that we would come into oneness together. But we find so much division that our hearts and our humanity have this magnetic pull, pull to, into division, into separation, into polarization. And you see it out there. It's us versus them. How could they possibly come up with that? How could they think that? Positions. Battle lines, division. But Christ, he says, I want you as my people, as my church, to be the model of unity. And why? Is how can we ever expect the world, the culture, the society to ever live in unity if God can't even get his own children, his own kids, to work together in unity? They're looking at us, and he says, I want you to go out and be the example of love and of unity to the world so that people will know that you are my disciples. One of the, the greatest chapters in all of Scripture that talks about unity is John chapter 17. It's the high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed. He was about to ascend and go back up into heaven with his Father, and he prayed for his disciples at the time, and he prayed for you and me even into the future. Listen to what he says in verse 11 as he's praying to, this is Jesus, he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. 
So as we talk about unity over the next few weeks, let's start with the definition of what is biblical unity. If you're taking notes there on your outline, you'll see some blanks there. And, and here's what biblical unity, one definition is this, is it's oneness of purpose and not the sameness of persons. The oneness of purpose. Biblical unity means this, that, that we are in unity, but not uniformity. Biblical unity says that it's not about getting everyone in the church to, to be the same, but to all be on the same page with the same purpose, heading toward the same common goal. Why is unity so important? And why does Jesus pray for that for us? It's because we can do exponentially increasingly more for the kingdom of God when we come together in unity than when we stand apart. Oh, my friends, we need each other so desperately right now in this, in the church. We need to stand together, and God has made us different by design in our giftings and our talents, but to come together for a common purpose. Why? Because we face a common enemy. We face a common enemy. Imagine if you had two, two sides, two kingdoms. What's the fastest way to get them to come together in solidarity? It's for them to both be facing a common enemy. Think about it. They come together to defend against it. And we have an enemy right now that we're up against. And he's not out for our good. It's the devil. And he's out to destroy this church. The Bible says that he has come. He's come to, to steal to kill and destroy in our personal lives and in the kingdom of God in the church. That's his, that's his modus. That's what he wants to, to do is to steal the unity of the family of God. He wants to kill the power that that unity brings. And he wants to, he wants to steal and destroy the credibility of the local church any way that he can. He wants to divide us so that we're not effective. Oneness of purpose Back when I was in junior high, maybe like you guys, I was in sports. Maybe you played football or volleyball or softball or something. I was a member of the Richland Rams junior high football team. And man, we were horrible. <laughs> I'm serious, man. In three years, we won one game. It was awful. I played a lot of different positions out there, but I was also the kicker. And one time we were so far behind in the fourth quarter, the coach goes, Jones, get out there. We're going to do like an onside kick. I'm like 12 years old. I don't know what. It, okay, so I set the ball up. And you know how you're supposed to just punch it about 10 yards? So, so I'm like, and I run up there and I give it. And I do the, almost like the Charlie Brown thing and missed it. And the ball just tumbles like two rolls right here. And I'm like, oh, no. And I look up and the team's like other teams advancing. And my coach is going, dive on the ball. And so I'm like, okay. And I jumped on it. And then it was like a dog pile. <laughs> So embarrassing. Here's the truth about a football team or any team. We, we all have different positions and skills, but we come together with the same uniform on, going for the same goal line. Unity is oneness of purpose. And so he's called us to come together with all of our uniqueness and to, to come together as one, as his body. But before we can hope to do that and advance the gospel as his church we got to come into unity with him individually, personally. And that's where we're going to focus our time in today. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the different components of unity. But this morning, we're going to focus in on 
The building block of unity is time. It's spending time with someone, with, with the Lord. You know, as we think about time, the, the, the more time goes by in our lives, it seems like time just continues to get faster and faster, doesn't it? It's like time is just, just flying. But time is so vitally important to anything that's gonna be of value in our lives. If you think about it, anything important, it, it takes time and it takes investment. One of my favorite things to eat is Spring Creek barbecue. You know that smoked brisket? I mean, I guess you could, like, try to cut off some time and make one. You know, like, get a brisket, throw some liquid smoke on there, put it in the oven for, like, an hour and just see how it, it but no. Like, they, they put it in there with the, with the wood and the smoke, and, like, 16 hours later, it's, like, low and slow, like, slow. They pull it out, and it's so much better. The best things often take more time. This morning, Jesus says that I want you to grow in relationship with me, and it's going to take time. And I don't want you just to, to learn about me, facts about me, and about history about me, but I want you to learn my heart. And the only way you're going to learn that is to get into a relationship and spend time in prayer and in the Word as you begin to see his value for you. Oh, my friend, he loves you so much. And so today, we're going to see, and, and you are going to see, and I'm going to see that this truth right here that closing the gap between me and God and others takes spending time together. So we're going to turn to a story in the New Testament this morning in the next few moments if you have a Bible or your, your app and go with me now to Luke chapter 10 as we look at a story where Jesus spent time with some people and it's only four verses and so let's dive into it and see what we can learn this morning beginning in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This morning, we need to grasp this truth that in order to serve Jesus, we first need to be served by Jesus. In this story, here's Jesus, he's, he's cruising along the countryside and he comes to a small town and we learn later that that is the town of Bethany, which is right outside of Jerusalem. And he goes to the house of Martha and her sister Mary and then they had a brother, Lazarus. And if you remember one time, Lazarus, he, he dies and Jesus raises him back to life after four days. And so that's the, the family and they were very special to our Lord Jesus. He spent a lot of time at their house and this is so neat that, that here's Jesus, he's fully God and he's fully man, but he loves to connect with people in relationships and he spends time with them and he calls us to do the same, to invest time into people. 
in verse 39, we see one sister. Here's Mary. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. Like, like she's sitting at the feet of the rabbi, seeing what, what she can learn and, and that she can be served by Jesus. And some people looked at this situation. They might have said, Jesus, like, why are you spending time with her and instead of investing time into somebody who might be more influential in the synagogue or something? But, but Jesus said, no, I'm going to spend time with Mary. Why? It's because he valued her and he was present with her. He cared about her. He cares about you. He cares about every single one of you in this room this morning. He values you more than you serving him. He's present with you in your life right now. He's present with you in the house. He's present with you in the, in the boat, in the storm. He is with you. The next thing we see, the contrast to Mary, is her sister Martha. Martha, in verse 40, it says she was distracted by many preparations. Oh, okay, like, who can blame her? Before we get all, like, like, who, like, you've got the Messiah. Here comes Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's coming over to your house. No pressure there, you know? Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to, what are you going to feed Jesus? Like, here's what you're not going to feed Jesus. Deviled eggs. Okay, that was a horrible dad joke that I will never, ever tell again. Here's Martha. She's concerned and distracted by many preparations. Maybe you, you've been there too, and maybe you're there in your life. It's like you've got somebody important coming over, and it's like you're sweeping up the floors, you're in the kitchen, you're like cutting up the hors d'oeuvres, you're getting it, you're barking orders at the family, put this, like you're stuffing stuff into closets, and then the doorbell rings, bing and you just go like everything's cool breeze. Oh, hey, this is how we, we live all the time. Come on in. <laughs> Martha was distracted. Not by bad things. Hear this today, that Martha, she was in a dilemma. She was caught between two good things, serving the Lord or sitting at his feet. So she was faced with this, with either do I work or do I worship? And Jesus in this story here tells us that it's more important to worship than to work. It's more important to listen than to labor. It's more important to be served by him than to serve him. And it's better to sit in his presence than stand. It's all about getting the, the order of our priorities straight. You see it? How about this? If you sit at Jesus' feet today, you can stand in the trials tomorrow. If you sit at the feet of Jesus today, you're going to be prepared and ready to stand and face the, the trials that the world is going to throw at you. In verse 40, it goes on with Martha's reaction to her sister. Let's check this out. She says, and so she's frustrated. She goes to her Savior and says, Lord, don't you care don't you even care? Like, tell her to help me. Have you ever asked the Lord, don't you care? Like, come on, if you're honest, like we've probably all said that at one time or another. We, we get our plans and we say, Lord, hey, Lord, I want you to do this in my life. And, and here's what, like, I need to see this take place. And the Lord's like, no, I've got something different for you. And then we get frustrated and we go, Lord, are you listening to me? Do you even care? He cares for you. Why? 
How do you know that? He's in the house. He's on the ground in the dust with Mary. He's in the dust of life, and he's getting to know her, and she's spending time with him, and he wants more than anything for Martha to step aside from what she's doing to come in there and to realize that he was there for her and not just for her preparations. Like, I don't know about you, sometimes we can get like Martha, we can get resentful and bitter, and we can look over and make comparisons and go, God, well, well look what they're doing, and I'm doing all this, and, like, and we get all so out of whack, and we, we say, God, I, I want you to, 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 like, to call them out on it. And he says, no, 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 no. I want to call you into freedom from that resentment and that bitterness, and I want to call you closer to myself in relationship with me and I want to restore you and refresh your life we see the compassion of Jesus when he responds to Martha he says Martha Martha I don't know about you when I was growing up sometimes I'd get in, into some kind of stuff at the house my brother we're tearing stuff up and you hear Jarrett Dale Jones and like oh no and I would run to my room and hide you know like when you hear your name that's not how Jesus spoke her name here. In scripture, when he would use a, a name twice, it was a, the, this concept of compassion. Oh, Martha. Remember when Jesus, he stood and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I longed to gather you to myself, but you would not. A voice of compassion. And he says your name this morning. He says, I care about you. I'm with you. He's not scolding in condemnation. He says, Martha, you're worried about many things, but there is only one that is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Today we learn this, that spending time with Jesus is the one necessary thing for his followers in this situation when there was a choice between these two good things. Why? Because we can't really serve the Lord until he first serves us. We can't be a fruit-producing branch until we're connected to the true vine. We need input before we can give output. We need time at Jesus' feet today so we can face the trials of tomorrow. Many of you spend time with Jesus, and that's great. I'm thankful that of the faith of so many people in this room, but maybe you're, you're just needing to get started and God is calling you and stirring in your heart to, to spend more time with him and to grow in a relationship. Let me give you three little action steps you can take this week to help get closer to him. The first one would be this, is invite God into your day. Start your day out with the Lord, not as a, as a burden, but as a blessing. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 90, he says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Martin Luther, he had a famous quote, and he said this, he goes, I will spend the, I've got so much to do, he says, in my day. I will spend the first three hours of my day in prayer and devotion. Wow, that's a lot of time. He says, you know what, I've got so much to do. And so many people and things, I can't afford not to spend time with the Lord. Start the day with the Lord and then continue that conversation all through the day and thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for that blessing. Lord, I confess to you, I just, I just messed that one up. 
Lord, I need your wisdom. All throughout the day, you're spending time with the Lord. The second thing is this minimize distractions. I don't know about you, but I'm easily distracted. You know, like, have you ever, like, maybe you were studying in college or taking a class and you got a book and you're trying to read a study? Man, it's been a long night. And you get down to the bottom of the page and your mind goes, wait a second, what was that? Like, I I just read this and I have no clue what I just read. You know, I gotta go back to the top and start all over. I get distracted, my mind wants. And so I'm gonna call you to do this. Like this week, when you spend time with the Lord, like turn off the notifications, turn off the TV. Let's get alone, Get, get away where you can draw into the Lord. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Look carefully then, How you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making what? The best use of the time, because the days are evil. The final thing is, make it enjoyable. Make it enjoyable, your time with the Lord. We we enjoy doing things that we like to do. And so I'm going to challenge you to find a devotional or something, way that you can, that you enjoy, that you click with. Maybe it's a podcast or some, something you found. I found this recently online, and I recommended it to a few guys. And it's a Lutheran Hour Ministry daily devotional thing. And this is great. If you go there, they have like these five-minute audio devotionals on a theme in the morning, and it'll get your mind thinking about something. And if you want to go deeper, they have some discussion questions. Maybe over coffee, you and your wife, your, your husband, can, you can, your kids, you can discuss it and dive a little bit deeper. And you start your day with the Lord. And you're going to find that as you continue to do this day after day, and then you're going to come to that day when maybe you, you miss it, and you're going to really miss it. It's like, wow, I missed my time with the Lord, and I need this for my relationship. Jesus wants to spend time with you so that you can know his heart. Have you ever been to a symphonic concert, maybe at the Bass Hall or Meyerson, or you went to a Broadway show? You show up a few before the the curtain's about to go up and the orchestra gets in the pit, and you're sitting out there and the lights are still up, but you start to hear this weird concophony of sounds of instruments of guys are scales over here and people are trying to tune and it's just like what is this uh. and then it's they're all just getting ready and then all of a sudden there's a hush that falls over the room the conductor walks out onto the platform he steps up on the podium and he raises his hand up and he comes up and the downbeat strikes and at that moment everybody with their unique instruments with their their tones that are unique to them and their their sounds come together in this incredible beauty this power of music unified together as one under the leadership of their great conductor Oh, my friends, your heavenly father today, the great conductor, he's calling you and he wants us to come together in unity as his team He's calling you to time at his feet personally so that you can rise up together as a church to be instruments of his peace, tuned to the perfect pitch of his perfect love because we can do infinitely more together than we can ever do apart. Oh God, heal our hearts And heal this land. In the name of Jesus, make us one. Amen.